let's take our confession of understanding, which is to activate our spirit so we can receive what the Holy Spirit is going to say to us today. If you believe the Lord will speak to you, can you give me an amen? Amen. All right. Can we just take our declaration warmly from the bottom of our hearts and let's call down the anointing to understand again today. All right, once let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. It's a power of healing and it's being released again this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord sent his word and it healed them. That word will deliver you from all your oppressions and your destructions today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, there's a little price. And what's that price? What's that price? If you know it, say it loud. Attention. attention. Just pay attention. Just give it the next one and a half, one and a half, 45 minutes. And the Spirit of God will write upon these letters, this sound, and impact His Spirit into your heart to give you total healing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Okay. I want us to open our Bibles. Let's start today from the book of Philippians chapter 1. Now we're back to teaching our series that we suspended for some time, which is um, Power for Wealth. And let's see how we can um, finish that before the ministry year comes to an end. As you know, for us, the ministry year ends before the calendar year, December. End of December. We'll probably will end much earlier in the month. That means we just have a few more weeks maybe three weeks before we finish for the year. So let's see how much of this we can do. The book of Philippians chapter 1, I want to read something that Paul said as part of the prayer that he prayed, he prays, or he was praying for the church in Philippi. Let's just take, um, because of context, take from verse 3, he said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now this is why I'm reading this, this verse is now. And I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, I read this to bring out uh, what he said in verse um, verses 9 and 10. Paul said to them, 
I want you to abound more and more in love and more and in real knowledge and all discernment. He said, I want you to understand, I want to switch to New Living Translation now, verse 10. I want you to understand what really matters. I like the way New Americans and I put it. I want you to understand or to approve the things that are excellent, the things that are more important, the things that are the core things of life, rather than the things that are common and mundane. He said, if you do that, you will be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Now, you say, what has this got to do with um, power for wealth? I need to just explain it. Now, please, if anybody is listening to this, you may not understand that. We have taken a break from the last time, but actually we've had quite a few days interruption between the last one and now. In fact, we have done another short series of teachings in that interval because of certain events that occurred in our country. It ignited um, that response. So now we are returning. Uh, for that reason, we have to do some reviewing of the things that we have been saying just to get the hearts of the people reconnected with the train of thoughts, with the trend, all, all right, in the teachings that we have, that we were on in the matter of power for wealth. So along the line, you will find a lot of repetition. So in case you are listening to this in series, you may get to this particular point that you say, you are saying this thing that you've been saying for some time, all right, again, all over again. It's because we have had quite a number of weeks of break. So we are trying to reconnect, okay? That's, those, those have already did the live teaching. Now, why did I read this? Because where we stopped in our teaching is to, I began to explain how the reasons why Christians do business. Now, when we talk about business now, when you, talk, when you think business, for the world is money making. In fact, for the math people of the underworld, this expression I learned from watching mafia movies, they will say nothing personal. Just doing business. I don't know whether I've heard it before. I've heard that thing, you know, in many mafia movies. And they will explain to you, man, don't take it personal. The man is just doing business. You know, one mafia done, we say all our men are businessmen. What it means by businessmen is that all they are in, that's in, they are in it for is money. I read the true story of a man. He just, used, he just used to murder people, you know, murder people recklessly. It wasn't really a typical mafia done. It was a lone rage killer. But it was not the t- typical uh, serial killer you knew. After they finally arrested him, they caught him. And when he was interviewed, why were you doing it? He said he was just doing business. There was one man that was caught um, in a Port Harcourt a few weeks ago. He was just doing business, but he's been killing people. His wife, his children, they ran away from home because he was a killer. How did they used to kill or why? He buys goods from somebody. The person supplies him goods and is owing the fellow a few hundreds of thousands or a few millions of naira. He doesn't try to pay. He murders the person. So why is he doing it? Just doing business. So that's what those people call doing business. And, you know, when the Bible says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind, these are the things that the Bible says we should do. Change what you call doing business. To the world. Now, let's, I've used the extreme of criminals, mafia dons, you know, killers, to explain what people mean by doing business. But you see, actually, in the whole world, that is what they call doing business. They may not be killing people, but business is what? Money making. But they gave us divine definition. That what is business as far as God is concerned? It is making things happen. Making things happen. Jesus, at the age of 12, 
he was lost, so to speak, and they found him later in the temple. Son, why have you done this to us? We've been looking for you everywhere. Say, why were you looking for me everywhere? Don't you know I will be about my father's what? Business. That's what they said. They were not making money in the temple. He wasn't there to make money. I hope I get my point. So the word business is used with a different mindset for us believers. To him, making the things of God go on was business. And that's why we will say, even for a ministry, like those of us who are preaching, it is business in that, in, in that context. It is business. It doesn't mean you are making money. It, make, it simply means you are what? Making things happen. You are making things happen. You are involved in transformation. If you see in Genesis, God gave us a pattern, all right, for our lives. And he gave himself as that pattern. He said the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, what does that tell you? Everything was upside down. The, the earth was without what? Form. And the earth was void. It was not productive. It was bad. That was not the way God wanted it to be. So what did God do? He began to put order into it. He began to put order into it. So what he's saying, that's the pattern for us. Your existence is so as to put order into things that were wrong. You hear what I said? You exist to put order into things that were not perfect. So in life, let me just remind us again. True Christians don't look for perfect places to live in. You see people every day wake up. I'm going from country A to country B. Why? Country B is better. That is a destiny-less way of thinking. Did you get my point? You are thinking without a sense of destiny. That is a destiny-less way of thinking. You don't recognize you were made for a purpose. I say this again and again. A man can relocate, a woman can relocate from one place to another. But please, as a child of God, it must never be simply because you find this place more comfortable than this one. It must never be because you find it easier to make money here than here. It must never be because you find that, look, the structure here is better for comfortable living than this one. That is a wrong way to make decisions concerning geographical relocation in life. As a Christian, it is a wrong way to make decisions. A man like Abraham was living in a comfortable environment. You know, sometimes we don't understand. I, please, I, I just need to say this again. I hope I don't lose the reason why I started it in the first place. Let me try and tell you why I started it. And I, we read in Philippians chapter 1, right? I'm not explaining the things that are excellent. So I'm trying to remind us of the meaning of the word business, right? Okay, because I, I want to just say this. Now, one thing we must understand in this life, eh? this life is very temporal. It's very temporal. I have done a lot of thinking. This is not just because I'm a Christian, it's because I'm a thinking person. And I realize that it has to be. It has to be. Looking at the dimensions of the universe that we can see, and you must understand that in advanced physics, space and time, they are the same thing. Do you get my point? No, you don't get my point. Thanks for looking very lost. All right? You know, there are basically four dimensions in physical life. All right? There's length. There's breadth. There is um, width, yes. So length. No, length. Anyway, three dimensions, all right? X, Y, Z axis, okay? Now, there's a fourth dimension in physical life, and that dimension is called time, all right? So it's called space-time. 
Now, to advanced physicists, they call it space-time. This, uh, this um, air we are living in, they say it is hanging in space-time. They don't say it's hanging in space. That thing you call space, they also call it time. To them, it's one single structure. And I saw a spiritual all right, lesson from it. If you look at space that we can see, right now, it takes light about 16 billion years of traveling to move from one end of the universe that we have observed to another end of the universe. It takes light about 16 billion years. Now, in case you don't know how great that is, it takes that same light only one second to get from the moon to the earth. Did you hear me? That same light travels from the moon to the earth in how many seconds? One second. From the sun to the earth in eight minutes. But to move from one end of the observed universe to another, it takes about 16 billion years. Now this is the interesting part. And that universe is expanding rapidly. Now, please, don't get into the universe thing too much. Just think about time. That is what they call space-time. So the amount of time we can observe in the dimension of our universe, compare it to the size of the earth that you and I live in. That is how you can compare the length of your life with eternity, just to make a bit of sense. If you want to know how small the earth you live in is, I like this dramatic illustration I saw somewhere the other day. Very dramatic. This earth is part of a solar system. That includes about eight planets, and uh, some of us say nine. It's not nine. It's eight, all right? Pluto is not considered a planet, all right? So, eight planets, okay, and Pluto, to make you happy. With all, <laughs> with the sun, and all the asteroids, and all the space around it. Now, this solar system, if you reduce it to the grain of rice, now, please get my point. Try and follow me. This is interesting. Okay? The whole solar system, compared to our galaxy, is like a grain of rice floating on the Pacific Ocean. Did you hear what I said? The whole solar system that we are in, our sun and eight, nine planets revolving around each other, compared to the size of our galaxy is like a grain of rice floating on the Pacific Ocean. That is, the galaxy is the Pacific Ocean where that grain of rice, the whole solar system. I didn't say the universe. What did I say? The galaxy. There are 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. If you are not scratching your head yet, you don't understand what I just said. Our solar system compared to our galaxy it's like a grain of rice compared to the Pacific Ocean. And there are over 200 billion galaxies in the observed universe. And they are not continuous. They have massive gaps in between them. So please compare your life, the length of the 100 days of your life, to 16 billion light years. That is how small this our existence is. That's when we begin to compare with eternity. Just to try and see whether we can wrap our heads around it. That's why I gave you some definitive dimensions. The reality is that it's worse than that. So don't live your life as if this is the beginning 
And this is the end. That's my emphasis. Don't. It will be stupid on your part to live as if this 75, 80, 100 years, when you live 100 years, everybody celebrates you. When you live 100 years, everybody celebrates you. Don't live as if that 100 years is a lot. Or that, that, that's all there is to it. I'll make certain statements. You don't have to own a house. Now, I'm not saying don't. I hope you're getting my point. I'm just saying that is not what life is about. You say, I'll leave houses for my children. Most children that they left houses for have refused to live in those houses. And those ones who really hope on their houses, they turn out to be useless children. The real ones that are not useless, the real ones that are productive, over time, they build another one. So don't kill yourself over it. Nothing wrong with having houses. I'm not saying it's wrong. If you can build two or three and live for your kids, fine. But please, remember Solomon said what? It is what? Vanity. What is vanity? Anything that takes a lot of effort from you. This, state, this thing I've just explained is very important. We Christians live in the light of eternity. We put it in mind. Paul said, I have come to the end of my life and I'm satisfied. Why? I have finished my course. An assignment was given to me. I have accomplished it. Abraham, please, I need to remind us of it. Abraham was living in a comfortable city. Let me explain. He was living, let's say, in North America. Then God called him to the jungles of Africa so he might fulfill his destiny. Let's imagine it like that. The story I've, I've heard about earth from which he came, they, by that time, already were piping water. You think pipe-borne water is modern technology? Romans piped water. They may have used a different set of pipe, kind of pipes than we use today. But they did those things, all right, thousands of years ago. Much earlier than them, Abraham lived in story buildings. Yet God called him out. And he left, never again lived in a house, proper house for the rest of his life. He never did. You know what he did? He lived in tents. The Bible says with Isaac and with Jacob. People who, after God, they are worshipped today. If I may use that expression, worship. Okay, let's use the word revered. Abraham lived in tents. What makes it significant is that Abraham was living in comfortable accommodation. Yet, because of the purpose of God, he abandoned it and started moving from one place to the other. And each time, all he did was pitch tents. Do you know what major reason he used to pitch tents? He had to move. Please, I hope you're getting my point. I'm not emphasizing. Let's think differently. Let's think differently. You see where I'm going? Let's think differently. Let's not think like the people of the world. We have been called to be different. The calling of Christianity is not to see how our God can compare himself with the God of Dangote. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That if he made it to be a billionaire, what can our God do to compete with him? So we'll now go ahead and start pursuing, thinking that that's what God is using 
to describe himself. Not necessarily. The gospel is not the way. Listen to what I'm saying carefully. The gospel is not the way to prosperity. It was not created for the sake of prosperity. The gospel is not the way to healing. It was not created, all right, for the purpose of healing. The gospel is not the way to long life. It was not created for the purpose of long life. The gospel is God's way of redeeming mankind for himself. And when he will have redeemed mankind, when they will have become like the Lord Jesus Christ, in that process, you know what they call, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Healing is what? Added. Long life is a side effect. Prosperity is an addition. It's not the purpose. I'm not saying you shouldn't receive prosperity. I'm not saying we shouldn't receive healing. I'm not saying we should not receive long life. But we must understand that these things must stay in the secondary place that they belong. The first thing is what is the purpose of God for my life. That's what I'm going to say. So, for example, it is possible for God to see a small town, locate you in there, and say, listen to what I'm saying. Do you know a man like Abraham? Who can tell me quickly? There's no catch to it if you really understand scriptures. What was the singular reason Abraham was called? Who can tell me quickly? All right? To bring forth Jesus Christ. There's, there's no second reason. The singular reason, the singular reason Abraham was called was so that Jesus could come. That's all. God didn't call Abraham because he wanted to do any other thing. The singular reason, do you know the whole of Israel as a nation was called, was preserved for generations. They will sin, become so dirty, God will throw them away, then pick one or two pieces from inside them and build that one up again. Listen, he was creating a pure lineage through whom Jesus could come. That was why in the genealogies of Jesus Christ, they always trace it down to Abraham. Whether you take it through Mary, or you take it through Joseph, they will connect it with David. They must pass through David. And you see, it was so easy. You go and read the story of um, Ruth. The story of Ruth was written so that you see where David came from. Ruth was not an Israelite. But let's not, let's not go into that now. All the stories you read is to let Jesus, to show you how Jesus came through a pure lineage which God preserved by himself. Why did Abraham live in tents? Because of Jesus Christ. Why did Jacob suffer? Omar, Jacob suffered. No, because of him. They changed his wages how many times? Ten times. Jacob suffered. They married he paid, worked for seven years for the wife he loved. They gave him a wrong wife. They, listen, the Bible says that the seven years looked like just a few days because of the love he had for Rachel. Every day he's walking, he's thinking of Rachel. Rachel, my darling. He sang songs for Rachel. He woke up the night after the wedding. It was Leah. God, thank you for not doing me like that. Please, I hope you are following my point here. Why is my question? Simply because Jesus needed to come. God needed to purify his Joseph. 
that Rachel finally died in his hands. Having given birth to Joseph and Benjamin. I hope you get my point. Jacob suffered. He met God. God injured him permanently. God said, you won't walk straight again. Yes. He was struggling with God. God tapped him in the wrong place, deliberately. Knocked his hip out of joint. He leaned for the rest of his life. And it was not an accident. It was so that Jesus could come. I said enough about that. So God can, you know, I began it from somewhere. God can take one of his children, put him in a small town. Like Abraham, he will say, what I want to use you for will not manifest for the next three generations. But we need to begin it by your abiding in this place. I pray you get what I'm going to say. That listen, the next generation, it will not happen. There are certain developments, naturally speaking, because of our faith in God, we are looking out, no, we are praying to God for, for our nation, as an example, because we are the salt of the earth. I haven't meditated about it. I said, except the Lord does a miraculous work, a quick work in righteousness, some things cannot be done even in two generations. God will say, banking, the first generation, I need to clean the minds of the people. Then the development will start growing in the second generation then the kind of things you will see and be satisfied with will manifest in the third generation. And nothing must spoil along the line. There are things that God wants to do. You will not see it in the next two generations. But it says the seed for the things I want to do, I will plant it in a small town. And what would the man be? Say, okay, you are going to be a teacher. Secondary school, yes. Primary school, something. Or maybe even university. And anytime time you go to class, teach your biology, teach your econometrics, whatever you want to teach, teach your calculus, mathematics. But I'm going to send people through you, not church, class. I want you to sow the seed of God in their hearts. That everybody that passes through your classes, I want them to live there with a particular seed. I will anoint you, your words will be born in their hearts regularly. That after a generation, you will see that 70% of the prominent people from that area that I will raise up, both in the realm of science, business, ministry, will have passed through your classes at least three times. There's only one problem. It doesn't say it fully like this. We just drop you there and say only one word to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Just those two things. So, those people say, look, this is a small town. What are you doing here? The kind of skill you have, if you can move from here and move to Lagos, you will explode. God said, very good. Go there and explode. Do you follow my point? Let me say this to you clearly. Many people have left. It pains me every day. It pains me every day. When I, when I think about it. You know, there are times I pray. I say, God, please. I like Enugu. It's a nice place. It wasn't this nice when I came. I came to Enugu. I don't know what I've told you before. If you do your calculations, it's 20 years this year. I came to Enugu in September, the year 2000. 20 years, last month or two months ago. All right? 
It wasn't so beautiful that time. But you know, there are times I have prayed and said, God, Enugu is beautiful. I hope it is not the beauty of Enugu that trapped me. I don't know whether you get my point. Because there's a reason, you see what I'm saying? Because sometimes I wonder, because I've seen people depart. And I want to know, you know, because these days we've done ministry for quite a while. So it's, um, I mean, I just came from a wedding today when Agbani, one young pastor, was getting married. And at least two people came to me and shook my hands and greeted me very well and said, Oh God, what an honor to finally meet you. At least two. That they say, Oh, so in flesh, I finally touched you. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Now I get that all the time. It doesn't excite me, not because it's bad, but because I've heard it so many times. In different, not in any way alone. I've gone to places, I'm, I'm not even thinking. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be myself, just gisting on the phone. People overhear my voice and all of that. Okay, I've seen different parts of the country, all right? If a woman told me one day, say, Pastor Banki, this is very bad. Though. I live with you in Enugu. I had to travel to Atlanta to hear about you. He said, and you I have with me always. We are going to the same church. One day he told me, he said, I don't get it. He was trying to say, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own house. Then when he goes abroad, his friends will be talking about, and that he's with me in Enugu. That, no, 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 no. Where is King Noah the minister? He said he did not come anyway. <laughs> Now, this is where I'm going. Do you know the many times I'll tell my wife, I said, do you know we could have refused to do this? That's where I'm going. We could have said, let's go and build a house first. I told you before, one of the most anointed preachers I've ever seen in my life, 30-something years after I got to know him, he has not yet entered ministry. I'm talking about approving the things that are excellent. I'm going into this, all right, to, because you know, some we are connecting what we're talking about. That they are, they, what are the reasons we do business? Remember, for us, doing business is what? Making things happen. It's not becoming rich. You hear me quote people a lot of times. They, they may not be the richest Nigerians, but a man like Dan Goze turns out to be the niche, richest, at least on record, Nigerian we know. But the reason why I talk about him is not because of money. It's simply because I see the things he's making happen around me. That's all. That's the only reason why you hear the name in my mouth again and again. The other day we saw a we saw the story of a young man who was living large by himself, Bentley for Valentine. You go and buy a wristwatch for two hundred thousand dollars. Take a picture of the watch and the receipt and put it on Instagram. A confused soul. You didn't hear me talk about him until he was arrested. Simply because he wasn't making anything happen. He was causing confusion. And of course, by the time they arrested him, we realized that he was a thief. He wasn't making things happen, but he had a lot of money. There was a time Pablo Escobar was rated one of the richest men on the earth. He was worth over 2 billion US dollars. Pablo Escobar. But the most, that is, the most renowned drug dealer, drug boss that this world has ever seen. Some people got angry because a particular magazine listed him. They said, why are you listing him? They said, they said, we are listing money. But he wasn't making anything good happen. He was making murder happen. He was making the destruction of lives happen. People's lives have been destroyed because of him. That was what he was making happen. So it's not just about money. 
It is about what you are making happen. And let me say this again. Remember as Christians, we have a different yardstick for measuring what is important. We go to God and study the scriptures to know what really is important. So, God may say, Dangote's refinery is fantastic, it's beautiful, but it's not the most important thing happening. To God, he may say, that the young man, the young woman who is teaching the next generation, to me, is more important than the man building a refinery. To you and I, the man who's been a refinery, who put down $7 billion, refinery total of $17 billion thereabout, that's going to turn economies around. That's a great man. But God said, I agree with you, that is great. But what I am counting the souls of men. He said the redemption of his soul is what? Is costly. So if you find a man, if I find a man that can redeem many souls through him, I find a woman that can redeem many souls through her, who do you think I should think is more important? I said everything I said to let us know how to reason. You, are, you don't have to hammer. That's what I'm saying. Hammer is not the purpose. I hope you're getting my point. Seek first the kingdom of God, and every hammer and nail can be added to you. You are not talking about it. Do you follow what I'm saying? But please, let me say another thing. Don't seek first the kingdom so that hammer can be added. For those who don't know the meaning of hammer, it means to blow. For those who don't know the meaning of what it means to blow, it means to, which other word apart from blow and hammer? Okay, let's just use a good word. It means to make it in life, materially, financially. To become big. You know, sometimes Christians want to obey God. It's a trick for the blessing. Can I quickly tell you that? It doesn't work. Once the blessing is paramount in your heart, when you are doing your work of obedience, you're not going to get much. Did you hear what I said? Once the blessing is a paramount thing in your heart, when you are doing the work of obedience, you won't get much. What should be the first thing in your mind? The pleasure of God. Does this please God? Or it doesn't please God. If I do this, will it please God? That must be the first thing in your heart. And once you've done that, leave it. That is when it starts adding blessings to people. Let me say, you know, I'd like to always drop this. That's why if you are giving because somebody said you will get, you are wasting your time. You know, see, if you get to a point, God will have to be even getting angry with you if you continue that stuff. Christians don't give because somebody promised them they will get. They don't. The reason why we give, go and read Philippians very well. Paul said, at last you have rekindled your love for me again. It is because of love. But the widow of Zarephath gave, I said, don't forget, how did Elijah get to her door? That is the question you keep on asking yourself. And could Elijah have gone to the door of the next widow, and the widow giving him the same thing, and she would have gotten the same result? The answer is No. Elijah was sent with the blessing of that woman so that she, he would deliver it to her. Please bear this in mind. I wanted to just add that onto it. Alright? So we're not doing what is right because of that other thing. But God adds things. That's what I'm going to say. He adds. He adds. And one reason why we keep teaching that he adds is so that you just take your mind away from it. You see what I say? Let me give you an example. You've heard me say Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12 that once when I was in Lagos the scripture hit me, almost knocked me down. He said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, 
and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. The question was that, what did that do for me? That's where I'm going. You know what he did? People hear different things from different, you know, from things. You know what I heard? You know what I heard? Bank, you don't worry about money. That was what I heard from it. It wasn't like, ah, we go chop this life. We see, do we sow? So that this thing will flow. What it said to me was, don't worry about money. So when I finished my training in Lagos, people said, where are you going? I said, God will open a door. And I believe, and I told my wife that I was just getting married. Even before we got married, even before I knew her, I had said it. Because I began to have that understanding. That where I will go after now is where I will start teaching the word from. Because the pressure to teach was already upon me. But God, like Isaiah said, kept me in a quiver. And I was not allowed the opportunity, the space to express myself. The only thing I used to do, I found that book. In, I was looking for something in my shelf last week. And I found one of those books. I picked the book. I said, wow. You know, this hardcover, um, this brown hardcover, 80 leaves book. I used to write in it. Of course, I didn't own a computer. How many people had computers those days? I used to write. But I was not given the opportunity to express myself. So, I had just this, this thought in my mind that Banky, relax. You will finish in Lagos. Then you will leave. The next place you are going is a place from which, from where you will begin to express the gift of God, the calling of God upon your life. All right. So, it just relaxed in my mind. So, when prosperity, the, the, the Isaiah 66 verse 12 matter came up, what it said to me is, don't worry. So, when it was time to leave Lagos, I still remember, I heard this expression many times. They said, hmm, money is in Lagos. So. I heard it in Lagos. I heard it out of Lagos. I will travel to Ndose, I will hear it. I will travel to Benin, I will hear it. I will travel to different places, I will hear people tell me, money is where? In Lagos. But do you know the scripture that I kept on remembering? Isaiah 66 verse 12. And what I heard about it was that, go wherever you need to go. God sends prosperity to the place. A few years ago, I did last year or this year, but recently, something, you know, caught my attention. The bank, you always believe that promise for yourself. But did you notice something that happened over the years? That promise, how do I say this? Was equally, you are the champion, you are the point man in kingdom word ministries and the teaching of the word that you are involved in. True of us, yes. With that word, the ministry has been sustained. I don't know why you're getting my point. Before I was thinking about myself alone, I never really thought, I had other scriptures for the, for, the, for the ministry work. The Lord has sent me and his spirit. I use words like that. When he said, the Lord has sent me and his spirit, I kept on believing it. But recently, I just, that one just done. I said, Banky, look at it. Wow. He's causing prosperity to flow towards the ministry also, like a river. And the wealth of the nations, like an overflowing stream. I said, my God. And that is the reason why people said to me, I mean, I, a man of God sat me down and explained when he saw the way I was doing ministry, a senior person. He said, the, the only thing that's remaining now is for you to do some Sunday services. So I said, I said, sir, no. Sunday services will not work. He said, listen, you're already teaching every Saturday. People come, right? I said, yes. You have another meeting during the week? I said, yes. He said, what is remaining? That's already a church. I said, no, sir. Church has other things. Children's, you know, children's church, women's meeting, men's meeting. Choir, wait behind, stuff like that. I said, <laughs> youth. 
I said, no, sir. A church is run by a committee of elders. There are so many things. A proper church is not a one-man running thing. You have to have deacons. Ah. I said, no, ministry and church are two different things. As a minister, I can be a member of a church. Do you get my point? In that church we are now, you know, we do things communally. But I go to Kingdom World Ministries platform to go and express the teaching gifts of God in my life. He said, listen, if God sends us, we should use our brain. Now this is where I'm going. He said people are not loyal. People are not, there's another word they use, I can't remember for sure. He said people will come and hear you free of charge. Then they will take their tithes and their offerings to another place on Sunday. So open on Sunday so you can just quickly collect it. That was the advice I was given by a senior preacher. That I should open Sunday services with one purpose in mind. That if they will not bring the offering on Saturday, go and collect it on Sunday. In my mind, that is not our money. You know, I've told you many times, don't be afraid. eh? It's just the truth. If our money is in your pocket, you will bring it. Let Let me just tell you. You will bring it. If you don't bring it joyfully, you will bring it forcefully. One way or the other, he said, Pastor, how are you bring forcefully? A thief will steal it. Then that thief will go and spend it in the shop of another person who will bring it. That's what I mean. <laughs> it, doesn't, no, it doesn't worry me. Have you, that's why you see the way we take announcement about money here. It's very simple. All right? Um, please do good, like Apostle will say, do good to give an offering. There's an offering basket there, but there's an account number on it, so you can just transfer an offering. That's just an announcement. Nobody compels you. Nobody tricks you. Nobody makes you dance forward by force so that you cannot remain on your seat. We use all kinds of methods. If everybody's coming to give, but that one, one day I was in the church, I told one guy, the pastor said they're taking three offerings. I called one guy in the church. I said, do you people get extra money? He said, oh God. I'll try to tell my God that these guys, after first service, you do it one second time. By third time, they don't learn lesson. They carry their money, they break it to pieces. If they want to give 500 for no problem. First service, first offering, they give you 200. Second offering, they give you 200. Third offering, they give you 100. The guy said, all I do now is count change. <laughs> he said, he has tried to tell his senior pastor that this thing just gives them more work to do. Now, why have I never been bothered? Because he said, behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river and the wealth of the nations that can overflow in strength. The ministry will be funded. He will do. I will not. In fact, do there are things that if I do, I have a feeling that God is going to punish me. No wickedness is a bad thing. Is it not a bad thing? Last time I checked, wickedness is unrighteousness, right? And wickedness is iniquity, isn't it? It is wicked for me to gather people because of the offering they will give. I think it's one of the high points of wickedness. It's bad. It's bad. People will say things like, God spoke to me to take an offering. Can God say things like that? It is his God. Let him say what he likes. But sometimes I look at such people. Say, so we are going to take this offering now. Why? Because if you check, people will soon start going. You know the way I do my things? I say, please, if you want to go early, please give our offering next door before you go. Don't blame the Holy Spirit for common sense things. Anyway, I was told, that's why I'm talking about it, that you have to be wise. You have to be wise. You open the church so that the people will give the money. And they're like, what? But why didn't I do that? That's where I'm going. That's why I'm saying all of these things. One major reason I didn't do that is because the promise of God had been given. And that promise said what? 
Don't worry about it. The promise said what? Let me hear you. So it says, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. So back to what I was saying. So when they told me that time, money is in Lagos. I said, no. Prosperity flows towards me. Wherever I stand, it will come there. It will come there. So God gives us the knowledge of truth to allow us to obey him with peace of mind. Let me say that again. God gives us what? The knowledge of truth so we can obey him with peace of mind. So if you are doing something today, it's making money. God says, stop, move away. God says, don't worry about where money will come to you from. Each point in life is an assignment. When I discontinue that assignment, I'm the one that sent you. So Jesus said, when I sent you out without post or script, when I told you to get no man on the way, did you lack anything? They said, no, sir. We did not lack anything. And why was he telling them that? Listen to this. Listen to this. He was telling them that because the next assignment needed them to take money. Did you hear what I said? He was going to send them again. He said, now, take money with you. Do this. He said, but I am not saying it because that is the way I provide. It is just the thing I want you to do at this moment. Listen to what I'm going to say. Christians, bear that in mind. So when you are doing business, understand that that is not how God provides. Did you hear what I said? No, you don't seem to understand it. Let me go by it again. Jesus told his disciples, go and get money. Pack a bag. You are going to travel. Put money in it. Sell your shirt. Buy a second sword. Do stuff, you know. He just told them a number of things. And I said, by the way, let's get it clear. The first time I sent you out, I told you don't take any money. I told you don't lobby. Don't greet any man on the way. They said, yes, sir. He said, when you went out that way, did you lack anything? What was the answer? No, we did not lack anything. So he said, all right. Now that I'm telling you to take these things, you can be sure it is not an instruction because of the fear of lack. Do you get the logic? I have proven to you before that I can supply if you don't take anything. What is the instruction for Christians? He's saying that you should listen to this. He tell them this. That I can supply their needs even if they don't work. I can supply their needs even if they don't do any business. I can supply their needs if I say sit in one corner of, the, of a brook. I will make ravens bring food to you. So the reason why I'm sending you out to work is not because of food. The reason why I'm sending you out to do business is not so that you can be sustained. I said at the beginning that God only put hunger there to wake people up. Because if you, do, if you didn't put hunger, some people will be so lazy they say they are working in faith. I mean, think about it. I, I've, been, I've been through those experiences. This is my life is slightly different from those early days. I look those days. No, think about it, Apostle. Think about this. Imagine a young minister. You know, you, you know this is, I, I do a lot of shakara. One day, they invited this man to come and preach. I saw the invitation. I said, if not, maybe you are not going to go to this kind of place. He said, oh, God, now you did select. I never reached when they select invitation. <laughs> he said, you are the one selecting now. He said, me, I, I've never reached that level where so opportunity to minister is opportunity to minister. <laughs> I say it's true. Let me not spoil him. Me too, I pass through that phase. I have preached in all kinds of places. I, I mean, to have, you know, you're just, ha- you're just happy to preach. If somebody says, it's my birthday, will you minister? I say, why not? 
If it's my wedding, will you minister? Ah, yes now. It's my child's name. Will you minister? Yes now. Me and my friends, we are, we, are, we, are, we are celebrating his son's entrance to university. Will you minister? Ah, why not? But if you tell me that kind of thing now, the way I will look at you up and down, <laughs> I will first look at you from, in my mind, are you normal? I will leave everything that I'm doing to come and preach at your birthday. Why? Because you are rich? In fact, if you are now rich, eh, it gets me angrier that your money has made thee mad. As a, as, a, as a younger minister, as an example, <laughs> God will say, these invitations that you wouldn't take, I will make you need small money that they will give you, small honorarium. There are jobs you would not do. But because if you don't do them, you won't have money. Meanwhile, that job is actually what I want you to do, even if you had money. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That even, okay, let me give an example now. Go to a classroom and go and teach. Um, okay, go to a home. I'm going to teach the children there. Do you follow my point? Just go home. Go to that home. Teach the kids. Now, if you had money, you would think yourself too big to be teaching primary school and secondary school children four times a week, two hours each day. All right? But when you don't have, the parents said that if you come twice, uh, four, uh, four times um, a week, two hours each day, you will end. 25,000 era extra. That's what they pay you. So you check it, or even, okay, let's just use today, maybe they say 40,000 era. So you look and say, ah, 40K. 40K. Hey, 40K. Three, four times a week, two hours each day. That 40K, it will dissolve hunger. It will dissolve house rent in the small place. So even though you feel too big, you feel too important, do you know what will happen? You will still go. But you know, if God had given you money earlier and they said, come and teach there, you will look for how much. Like one pastor said once, he was holding three services on Sundays. Another pastor said, eh? Three services on Sundays? Why? How much is the prophet's offering? <laughs> that why will you suffer like this? How much are they giving you? Some, sometimes people look at it and say, no, I won't do this. And now, everybody has stages in life. You get my point. That's what I'm giving myself as an example. The early days of ministry, I accepted a lot of invitations. Now, I, turned, I think I turned down now nothing less than seven out of ten invitations I get. They stand, they are rejected. Our uh, Reverend, Reverend Yinka, handles my invitations. Most of the time, they just come like, you just look at it and say, forget the pastor is not coming. Especially when you are doing a convention, you have a big program, you now say he will speak for 45 minutes on, on so, so, and so, and so, day. He doesn't care who you are. He just says, this is your invitation, no? let me just tell you ahead of time. Or God will go come. But I will tell him, sure. So, sometimes you give me the invitation, I will look and say, why are you showing me this? He said, I've already told them you are not coming. He said, thank you. That's the end of the discussion. I think a minimum of seven out of ten. I don't, that is... It stands rejected. One day, one, one guy invited me for a program. So, some guys. This was Adinsuka. So they were talking with um, Thor Reverend. They now told him that, uh, ah, these are your, they now showed him, told him the names of the other people coming. Big, big boys in the country. The moment he, he heard the name, he just said, forget it, or God no go come. Ah, they were like, what? In, the, in their mind, want to show him the kind of people he'll, rubbing, he'll be rubbing shoulders with. 
But what he was saying that he didn't understand. Pastor Banky comes to teach. You have crowded the program. He won't have time. He's not coming. They had to be called and say, no, sir. No, actually, you know, they, they, they began to re-explain that actually this man is not coming again. This one, they, they, they began. <laughs> Explanation started. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's less than seven out of ten invitations I get rejected. Now, but you know, as a young minister, hey, reject that kind of invitation? No. You want to be accepting everything because you have to exercise your gift. One of the reasons why I can reject invitations, in case you want to know, one of the reasons why I can easily reject them is because I am satisfied with preaching here twice a week. I reach every person I, need, I, I feel like I need to reach this modern day Roman road. Now we stream. Even before streaming, our website is a very active website. I stumbled into one analytics website some years ago that rated us one of the top sites in the world to get gospel messages. When I saw it, I was surprised. I stumbled into it. When they rated, I don't want to give you the number because it was alarming. I didn't believe it. In the world, though, I'm talking about in the world, you want gospel messages were rated. Okay, I'll just give you. Okay, let me not give you the number. Let me not, let's just leave it. But just list one of, among the top. That satisfies me. To now make it better, now we are on so many radio stations. I think we cover by now, population-wise, landmass-wise, combine both of them. Okay, let me leave population because we're not in Lagos yet. Okay? But landmass, I think we cover at least two-thirds of Nigeria with radio, you know, radio signals. In the places we, right now we're on 23 radio stations. You understand? Now, so it's easy for when you want to bring up invitation. I better leave them. Feel like you want to exert my energy for little added impact. But there are times, if one young man came the other day, I'm sure he was surprised. I'm sure his friends were surprised that the guy dragged me to their small fellowship. And I went, there were young people. He didn't go here. He, I'm sure he was surprised. I just said, I just told him, tell him, tell him where I come. Were you, were you the one who was in Kai told that day? Okay, I just said, tell him, okay, we'll be there. Now, how did I get into all of that? So, I'm going to bring out something here. So, sometimes, God said, listen, you never reach to the reject some kind of jobs. So I will make you hungry small, so you will do the jobs. That if I give you too much influence now, there are little places where I want to build you up from. You, will, you would not go there. There are places, so God said, for that reason, I made you hungry. It's not in your Bible. Then I fed you with manna. It was deliberate. If you were not hungry, you wouldn't eat manna. So I made you hungry first. So you will start your business. Because some, listen, that's one thing. I, I thank God for Nigeria, all right? Nigeria runs both a socialist and a capitalist economy, what they call a mixed economy. But one thing that pains me about federal government is the way it saps. Now there's a balance, all right? I'm not saying there's no balance. But there's one, you know, they talk about disadvantages or something. One thing the federal government does, which I've seen a lot of times, is that they sap productive energy out of the market by employing young men and young women, paying them money monthly, and giving them nothing to do. If you get to federal institutions, you will get to an office that has three secretaries and one computer. No, it's common. Three secretaries, one computer. 
There are offices in this part of the world that they take turns going to work. They are not lazy. There's nothing to do. I'm not insulting anybody. It's a federal government thing. They feel well, part of their issue is that you want to provide. They want. They can't just share out money. I wish they would just share out the money, personally. You know why? You say why? So that you will free the people to go and work. Because they won't share out the money. They make you sign in at eight, sign out at four, and give you nothing to do for the whole day. Let me just advise if you're a young person. If you get that kind of job, resign. Your destiny is being bought. I don't care how much they are paying you. Leave the place. Go out and go and suffer. Go out and go and hustle. Many people, their destiny have been bought with high pay. They sit have money till night. You know, say, Pastor Bank, what by their destiny? God created them for a purpose. They will never fulfill it. They are too well paid. One of the reasons why I was at the beginning. He said, I made you hungry and I fed you with manna. If somebody, if you are earning a lot of money, they say, build a website for 10000 you won't agree. But if you have been hungry, you know, your shoe needs organizer. You know that kind of thing? Aboki has sewn your shirt three times. Then someone says, can you help me design a website that looks like Kingdom World? And you know how to code. You know how to do these things. Better say, look, all I have, eh, I'm not going to lie you. Now, thank you. The only reason you do it is what? You're broke. But God said, I need you to do it because a time will come. The same job, they'll pay you five million naira for it. And you will not do anything extra. If I tell you, you will not even do the job. You've hired five young, young boys who are doing it. You collect the five million. Then give the boys 100, 100K. And then chop the, then that's how you now start changing motor car. They start buying land. Then you save the land. You don't like where it is. You buy another one. It's not your fault. Though. It's God that has blessed you. But you know, if you did not do those early jobs, you won't be in a position where he could have blessed you like that. Please, I'm explaining something about the character of God and how we believers are supposed to reason. We don't get our sustainers from our business. <laughs> I was telling my wife that I was analyzing it. My own personal life. What takes most of my effort, most of my time, and most of my energy pays me the least. I have a number of things I get involved in. My life has been like that for a very long time. There's a place where I was teaching. I, I, I taught. Do you know? Ha! They actually said, don't worry, please, it's the work of God. Unique, that was my primary place of assignment. That was paying me much more than they. I was doing half of that work for them. Without going into details, what takes most of my time? It's, it's not today. It's always been, and so it doesn't worry me anymore. If I get money from somewhere, maybe I get a paid money here and there for little. I laugh. When you don't pay me anything for big work, in my mind, I balanced it. The, the same God is rich. <laughs> I just know it is God. God gave me money from here to pay for the, the ex, every work I will do here. There was a player I was teaching many years ago, not now, I don't teach anymore, many, many years ago. When I first started going there to teach, the money was bad, it was horrible. I complained, tired. But not this kind of work that you can't say no because they're Egbo. You know what they call Egbo? Senior. The senior men that say, come and do, you don't know how to say no to them. 
Do you know there was a time they improved the pay over time? There was a time they paid me seven straight months. I didn't go near there once. They were paying every month. I was not, I, I wasn't even available. I wanted to stop before that time, but they kept on increasing, improving what they were paying, kept on improving, kept on improving. So one day I said, I'm not doing it again. The guy said, No, ah, please now, why do you want to stop? Please, just. Along the line, they kept on reducing the workload. Then, I remember one particular year. In fact, sometimes it's about 13 years ago now. Yes, that's the reason why I remember. Seven straight months I was paid. I didn't go near there once. I was going to travel abroad. So I, I rushed to go and give some of my lectures. I told one of my colleagues, I'm traveling. Please take the balance of me. He said, no problem, chief. Then when I came back, after some weeks, I think they had a break. Then when the break was over, the student went on the posting. Then when they came back, it was Christmas. <laughs> One thing after another, I went there last in June, or in May or June, showed up next in February. And I got paid every single month. So I didn't dodge my work. So don't think I dodge. I didn't dodge work. I didn't dodge work. I remember seven straight uninterrupted months, I got paid without working. Bam! Didn't leave my house. But I have learned. There are times I also walk one straight here and don't get paid anything. And I walked. Sometimes I want to vex. God, eh, don't talk. The time I was paying you and you were not doing anything. The time I was paying you and you were not doing anything. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, see, Christians, and I've not gotten to the thing that why I went to the, you know, but I don't reconnect to what we we're saying before, all right? So I know what I'm trying to do. I'm not lost track at all, but I've not really just gotten down there. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get us to remove the sense of supply from my business, from our minds. My supply comes from my business. Remove it from your minds. My supply comes from who? From the Lord. Whatever I do is faithfulness unto him. That is why we've seen these stories here and there. Many of the things that God will use to bless you abundantly financially, you will not be known for them. Did you hear what I said? Some of the men of God you are angry with, that they are flying private jets. It's their private money they used to buy their private jet to go to private places. It, let me say, church of, in their mind they are laughing. Which church? This church? If I don't tie this, it will fold up. <laughs> that is, the amount of money they give to that church, they know. But of course, God forbids them from advertising it. So you bring your hand, grumbling your nose, your nose will bend. You're just angry for nothing. What you don't know is that you know him for maybe preaching the gospel. You know him for always preaching. What you don't know is that God gave him one tap somewhere from which Ekpo Robi is flowing into his life. You know what's Ekpo Robi? Crude oil. <laughs> you learn something today. <laughs> from which crude oil is flowing into his life. But you, it's not advertised. It's not advertised. Let me just say something to you. But God is giving him that because of faithfulness in something that doesn't pay him anything. A man like this man, um, he's late now. What is his name? Nova Hayes. Nova Hayes was Ken Hagen's friend in that group of people, Word of Faith people. He said that God never told him not to do business. He used to be a businessman before he came into ministry. And you know one thing he did? His businesses were running. They were doing very well. But most people never knew that Novel Hayes was mostly a businessman. They knew because he used to teach in, in church. He used to teach in camp meeting. So if you heard Novel Hayes, he's one of those preachers. 
He said there was a time, American um, IRS, Internal Revenue Service, they investigated him and investigated him. They were like, no, something is going wrong somewhere. Because anytime you give him honorarium, he had a personal law. It was just his personal law. The money is paid to the ministry account. If he goes out to go and minister and they give him honorarium, he had a personal rule. The money goes to the ministry. And from the ministry, he wasn't taking any salary. Why? He said the money that he's making from his business is that anything else is just being greedy. So one day, IRS came to check him. They were surprised. They looked into the ministry account. <laughs> Where is, how is this man getting it out? No, because they didn't believe a man could do that. I, think, I don't know whether he had his own private plane. But how is this man do? I think they investigated him like three times. He told the guy, don't worry, sit down and investigate all you want to. They couldn't catch him on anything. Do you know why? There was nothing to catch him on. He did that ministry because he believed that was a call of God upon his life. For your information, that ministry cost him his wife. The day he told his wife he was going into ministry, she packed her bag and left. So many people you see, you understand? What God decides to use to bless them, you don't even know. I'm teaching believers again to just be faithful in their business. In our businesses, let's be faithful. Stop looking at it as what? A sign of money. A source of money. source of resources. Sometimes people have close divine calling, divine assignment, because the resources wasn't flowing properly through there. If you need money, you know what you do? You jabbers. You pray like Jabez. You get on your knees and ask God. Lord, bless me indeed. You don't change profession because of it. First question, you, uh, first thing you do is what? Ask the Lord. Sometimes God will say, this one you are doing is not good. Two different ways he communicates his will. Sometimes he says that you're not working hard enough. Not be, Like I said to you, he uses hunger to wake us up. Are you getting my point? He said, listen, you say you're in full-time ministry. You preach... Two times in a week. You sleep seven days. You're always sleeping. When they come and wake you, they say, Asha, blah, 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 blah. You say, I'm praying. You're not praying. I always tell ministers, if you're in ministry, minister. <laughs> one day somebody told another, another one, told my wife actually, that uh, I'm not doing anything because God has called me to write. So he said, how many books have you written compared to my husband? That was the question he asked the fellow. You see the number of tracks my husband has written? Number of books he has written? Number of this, number of that? They call you to write? This is the only thing you do? Eh, show me proof now. I'm not saying because he didn't call you. The man who didn't say God called me to write, he has produced this number of materials. And regularly he gives it to us. Then you that God called, that is the only thing you'll be doing. It's like me scoring more goals than Ronaldo. Does it make sense? <laughs> do, 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 do you get my point? You see boys playing at the back of the yard. Then they have more goals in the bag than Ronaldo. And Ronaldo says a professional. Professional failure or what? That's the, point I'm, that's the point I'm making. Sometimes God will say, listen, there is nothing wrong with what you are doing. You're just not doing it hard enough. You've been blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessing enough people. And it leaves a lack in there just to, just to point it out to you. I always tell ministers, please, minister. If it, listen. If you're in full-time ministry, please do what? Full-time ministry. Ha- Summarize your life over the last one week and say, what have I done? 
Not as that I, I preach one hour on Sunday. Then Monday is my rest day. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, nothing. You do, do the one Bible study on Thursday. Friday, nothing. Saturday, you attended one wedding. You are not the one that joined the couple. Then start again and tell me you are in full-time ministry. Bros, stop deceiving us. You are not in full-time ministry. You are in full-time idleness, part-time ministry. They are doing nothing. It's one reason why God refused to bless you. It's not because he can't. He just said, no, I won't. You're not doing anything. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, let me now start the reason why we went into all of that. We will preach our message. It's not because I said all this. I won't, I won't preach. I'm anointed, amen? And when a man is anointed, <laughs> he must use his anointing. Amen. I mean, we have to preach. Amen. The year is coming to an end. Apostle, yes, we are called to minister. Amen. And we must do what? Thank you, most minister. So, and I'm going to minister to you today. Amen. Amen. All right. So, this is what we're saying. A number of reasons we said Christians do business. Now that we established why we don't. Number one is what? To be a blessing. We said that before. I don't want to go over that again. That was the one we preached in this series last. To be a blessing. God called us to be a blessing. Remember, business is making things happen. So there are different ways by which we can make things happen, depending on the kind of calling and the kind of gift that we have. Sometimes, it's not your calling, it's not your gift, it's just your immediate assignment. What do I mean? David did not have the calling of a shepherd, did not have the gift of a shepherd. His destiny was as to be king in Israel. And his special gift was what? Prophetic psalming. Is that what correct? Psalming. At least you've learned something today. He was prophetically psalming. He was a sweet psalmist of Israel. When he opened his mouth and said things, generations after we turned them to prayer. They were prayers. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet do I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. You can't recite that you were not born in a Christian home. I didn't recite this because I'm a preacher. I learned it in catechism. My children, I mean, we use it a lot to pray in the house. One of the prayers we do in the house is, you know, I told you that we have to have orderly prayer, not just cacophony all the time. There's a place for cacophony, but most times you have order. So when we are praying in my house a lot of times, we do meditations. We take a prayer that's been said. Each person will read it and say, yeah, you have five minutes, or you have two minutes to meditate on that. So you see us doing like juju men. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I, yeah, when, when you get to Psalm 23, nobody but us open. That's where I'm going. Psalm 23, they just don't bother to open. Everybody knows it by heart. Why? David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, had uttered those prayers for us. That was his gift. Prophetic psalming. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will see of the Lord in my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know these psalms all over the place. 
That was his anointing. That was the grace of God upon his life. I'm not aware he had a special calling as a shepherd. Why was he a shepherd? His father said, go and do the sheep. You are the smallest in this house. Your brothers have gone to war. Who will look after the sheep? You. Go there. That's the point I'm going to make to you. So sometimes, being a blessing is using your gift. But sometimes, there's no specific gift given to you. It is just the assignment for that moment. But do you know from being a shepherd, Psalm 23 came out of it. The grace that was upon his life produced Psalm 23. He understood God in a different manner by fulfilling the assignment. One of our brothers came to me once. He said, he saw me in Abuja, so he couldn't reach me because of the protocol of the church where I was in. So he came to Enugu to see me. I said, what's the matter? He's a lawyer. He says, his company, his law firm, wants to move him from corporate law to litigations. And he doesn't feel, you know, doesn't feel that, 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 uh, uh, that passion, you know. Have you heard that thing before? You follow your passion. Those who go, who die too, they also follow their passion after Igbo, you know. Their passion was smoking. Their passion was cocaine. Some people, their passion at overspeed, they die. Before you follow your passion, be careful. You have to have been responsible for a long time before you find your passion in the midst of your responsibility. I hope you're getting my point. You find irresponsible people sleeping morning, afternoon, and night. I have not yet found my passion. So sleeping is your passion. You've not seen them before. What's your passion? Television. Passion, knowing the latest movies. What's your passion? PS4, Agbaya. <laughs> the Lord is good. Passion is good, but be very careful. Be very, very careful. Follow the assignment that has been committed into your hands. That's what I'm making. You may not have it. So that day, the brother told me. He said that, uh, you know, he didn't. So I looked at him. I said, that's why you travel from Abuja to Enugu to come and see me. He said, yes, sir. I said, enter vehicle, go back to Abuja, and go to court. He looked at me. I said, yes. This is your assignment for now. You don't like it, does not mean God doesn't want you to do it. Who, who, who will not like corporate law? Me too, I like corporate law. You just wear a suit. The office is always air-conditioned. Most courts in Nigeria, they don't even have light. I've been there a few times because of my natural profession. They don't get light. You go see judge... Now, so, if they found with one hand, they write with the other hand. I went to court one day. Magistrate said, they said, next case, magistrate said, hey, it's enough. My hands are tired. Everybody go home. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that is why nobody wants to do litigation. Who wants to litigate under those circumstances? I said, bros, go back to work. Your boss has told you to go to another department. Go there. Use the skill of God. In your heart to excel, God will lo- relocate you at the appointed time. I've seen lazy people that say that that's not my calling. One man came here one day. He talked to me about his life. How God redeemed him from the pit. Thank God for Jesus Christ. He redeems us from the pit. Amen. One church was helping him. He now said that um, he realized that he's not happy. If it is now, I'll have asked. Is it because of your laziness that you are not happy? No lazy man likes hard work. Oh. Have you noticed that? If a man is lazy, he's never happy when you, give, when you give him work. So he says he's not happy. The church was teaching him how to 
be a man to walk and sustain himself. You know what? He wasn't happy. He will now call me and say, whether I have food in the house. And the man can they look every time. The man that's not happy walking, but is happy begging. Have you seen such people? So my calling is not this work, but your calling is to beg me for money. If you see such people, you don't give them anything. Give them one time, first time, so that you can say before God and man, I tried. Second time, say, bros, wash my car, I will pay you. Come and clear my compound. You know what one man of God said? Begging is the last thing before stealing. Everything, every kind of labor is more honorable than begging. Both of them, are, if it says not my calling. So if I do it, it's obedience to God. If I go around begging, what is, what is that? Obedience to God. So sometimes, being a blessing, that's what I'm making. First of all, of course, if you have a gift, use it to bless us. If you have a, if you have a skill, it's not everything I can do. I was joking today when we were coming. Momian was with us and Pastor Delvan. So they were just talking in the car. So something led to aviation matter. And I said, oh, uh, this person in aviation school. So Momian turned to me and said, ah, Pastor Banky, won't you go and learn how to fly? So I turned to her. I was sitting in front. I said, who will learn how to preach? What I'm going to say is that there are things that I need in this life. I can't do myself. I can't do them myself. They are inside you. Many people in this life, they are a blessing to me. And if you are one of them, you are the reason why I can preach. You are the reason why I can write. You are the reason why I have time to do some other things. I hope you are getting my point. I mean, sometimes I think about it. I know what I used to go through those days to do ministry. And it comes to writing books, printing, and all of that. These days, our brother that handles our printing, he comes here by himself. That is, once we finish writing, the rest is his problem. Listen, God created you to help somebody become something. To make somebody's life easier. That's what we mean be a blessing. It's the first reason we do business. The second one I want to talk about today, all right, is the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the surface of the deep. I've talked about that. And it is our responsibility to put order into society. It's called righteousness. Our, the second reason we do business is to teach righteousness. The Bible said those that turn many to righteousness will shine as the stars of the firmament. Is that not what it says? What does it mean to turn, turn many to righteousness? Let me explain what righteousness means in that context. The right things to do. The right things to do. Many things in this life, the only way you will teach people is by doing them. I gave this woman as an example. It's my best example in that dimension, Mary Kay Ash. Mary Kay Ash started Mary Kay Cosmetics just to teach marketing. She did not want to sell cosmetics. She was not interested in painting anybody's face. She was not even interested in making you look good, primarily. The only reason she started Medicaid Cosmetics was because she wrote a book. She had worked in marketing for a long time, and she had retired. She was not a small girl. Her children were grown. Then from her experience over the last many years, she said, let me write and teach people how to do it properly. Then she wrote the book, gave her ideas and her points. When she finished, now we know it was the Holy Spirit. She don't know it was the Holy Spirit. She just told herself, she's taught. We now we know it was the Spirit of God. Say, so why would anybody read your book? She said, it's true. 
say, the things inside here have never been practiced. You are nobody. Nobody knows you. Why would anybody spend money to buy a book that somebody who they don't know wrote about something that has never been done? So she said, it's true. By saying it is true, she said, let me sell something. Let me start, listen to this, a marketing company and use my, you know, and use the principles I'm trying to teach here. Do you follow that? That when I use those principles, then they, when we succeed, people cannot learn from us. So the woman said, okay, how do I do something so that people can learn what is right to do? That was why she started a business. She put into practice everything she has written down. And guess what? It turned out like she said it should. Of course, she will find it along the line. And then she became very successful. By the time I read the book, Miracles Happened, that's the title of the book, more than 2 million women worldwide were marketing Medicaid cosmetics. Do you understand what I'm saying? But she said that the reason I started it was just to show marketers how to market. That's what I mean by teaching people righteousness. The same thing Henry Ford said. Henry Ford said the success of the Ford Motor Company is not about the machines that bear the name Ford. It's about the way of doing business. I needed to tell people that what they were doing was wrong. So I started making the cars, not because I wanted to make cars, but because I wanted to tell them, you can't continue doing business like that. At a point in time, I think I had I even made it at the time to be the world's richest man. Ford Motor Company owned plantations, I think, in Mexico or Brazil or both. Because if you disrupt the supply chain, he bought, you know, for example, that he needed to buy rubber. So he owned the rubber plantation. Why instead of waiting for you to supply him rubber? <laughs> he was very successful. He increased the wages of men. He more than doubled the hourly wage that people were being paid for the same jobs. He said people needed to earn what they call a living wage, something they can live on. It doesn't have to be much, but at least they should be able to pay rent, buy food, and be happy. Now, I've told this story many times. You can get this book, My Life and Work, by Henry Ford. If you, if you like digital reading, it's an old book, so it's available for free in different places online. My Life and Work by Henry Ford. You learn a lot from it. Now, but what I'm talking about is righteousness. God says, go and do business so as to teach righteousness. I do ministry. Many people have learned some things that I do in ministry, that we do in Kingdom World here. Many people have learned. Now, please, this is not a judgment against how other people do some things. But I personally found it not palatable to put a restriction between anybody who was interested in kingdom world materials, you understand, and the materials. I felt that God had opened what I call the Roman road, the 21st century Roman road, to make life easy. So you know, there are many times, I remember, there are many people I, I wanted their messages, they were in the U.S. I, I tried, couldn't get it. I had to send a friend, help me buy, package, and send to Nigeria. I said, no, it's not necessary. When we went online, we went online. I said, anyway, just click and download. We said, don't you need money? Do we look like we lack money? <laughs> how do we get money? I'll tell you. People give us money freely. That's how we get money. Freely we have received. So freely we give. 
It doesn't cost us the cost of hosting the materials. What we pay on the server is incredibly small compared. In fact, it's small. It's one of the smallest expenses we have. What we pay a radio station for three months pays our server everything with the virtual private server we use and everything for maybe two years. So the cost is not heavy. Now, a lot of people have seen it, and now that was not the reason why we did it. We did it because we just wanted the world to move out. But you know what? It turned out to be one of, I don't need to count for you how many emails we have gotten in which we were expressing their gratitude that the work, the work is just one click away. So there are people who don't bother. They just put, some who don't even download it. They have money for data. So they stream live all the time. Anytime they want to listen, they are streaming. They are streaming. That is anytime, they don't, it's not on their device. It's always on the, on the internet. Now, like I said, remember business is what? What is business? Making things happen. All right. That's what we are making happen. Now, where I'm going to is that many people have learned that pattern, even though we did not originate it, I'm not saying we're the first to do it, other people have done it before us, all right? But I'm aware that many people have learned it from us. Many people have learned. There are things that we do that many people have learned from. This is where I'm going. When you do business, to that's what God is saying. Go and teach the world. Go and teach other believers how to do something. It's another reason why you Christians do business. Now, let me say something to us, which I said before. You know, if you listen to this series, which I titled, um, ah, it's an old radio series, Cooperating with the Seasons of Life's Adventures. Yes, please go and listen to this series. Beautiful series. I, I still recommend it today. In it, I said, the life has stages. The first stage is what I call the stage of what? I don't know what I still remember. There. Eh? Sitting down and counting. What is sitting down and counting? The time in which you are praying, meditating, like Mary Kay were giving as an example. Writing down the things that you want to do. And I said that at the end of that stage of prayer, meditating, you come forth with what I call what? Wisdom. This man has listened to the message very well. You should write a book on it. <laughs> so, the end of that stage of sitting down and counting, Jesus said, who is it that wants to build a tower? Who will not first sit down and count? Whether he has enough. That's why where I got that expression from. Now, at the end of that stage, I said, what you come forth with is what we call wisdom for salvation. All right? That expression is gotten from Paul writing to Timothy, that from your youth, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. What does that mean? There's instruction, there's information that you apply that will produce results in your life. That's what they call wisdom for salvation. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So there are certain instructions that you will come forth with which the Bible says, if you, which God is saying, if you apply, it will produce salvation. It will produce prosperity. It will produce increase in your life. Now, this is where I'm going. The next stage is the stage of what? Not for my hand. Hold yourself. Up. <laughs> I, I don't brag for your body finish. You don't come for my hand. Huh? Huh? God bless you. You should talk to her. Maybe marry her. <laughs> They should co-write, amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. Yes, yeah, tr- tri- what I call the stage of the trial of your faith. What I'm going to say is that when you want to bring out something new, there will be resistance. Now, why I'm referring to it again today is this. That's why you have to be careful. That you don't undermine that wisdom. That wisdom is the seed of God we are talking about. 
That wisdom is the seed of God that we are talking about. Remember we said that God gives a body to the seed. That once you come forth with a seed, God will give it what? A body. Paul plants Apollo's waters, God gives it the increase, the body. Do you get my, my point here? Your duty is fight the good fight of what? Faith. To preserve that wisdom is your duty. You, you have to fine tune it. Make sure you know it and then protect it. God didn't send you into the world to get results. He gives results to you. He sends you to plant and to water and to guard and to keep. The trials of life, for example, you can make up your mind that, look, I want to do business in such a manner that I don't bribe, I don't take bribes. Listen, there are times if you come to a place where it will be as if you have to shut down the business. Remember, your duty is not to preserve the body, but to preserve what? The seed. So, rather shut down the business than compromise the reason why you started. Are you getting my point? Why? Because Isaac, if you lay, that's what they call laying Isaac down on the altar. You will take the, the, the knife and strike that Isaac dead. Because you can only kill the body of Isaac, you can't kill the seed. You can't kill the spirit. But the temptation is what we're talking about. Life will put you under pressure to, to bend. To do it the way everybody has been doing it. Before you start, remember, you must not love your life even when faced with what? With death. They will tell you, I mean, let me take ministry as an example. Sorry, I keep on using ministry because that's the main thing I do. All right? They will tell you, don't preach like this. If you preach like this, the offering will not be good. Apostle, you've not heard that before. Because if you change your message because of that, I will close down your ministry. One thing I've noticed these days, well, it's not these days, it's been there for a long time, but because this is my day, so I, I, I notice it, is that people preach messages that are popular. Look at when this NSAS thing was going on. Because so many people were into it. People couldn't, I've talked to many ministers, they're like, I didn't agree with this, but they, didn't, they could not speak. Why? The mood in the air was what? Answers. I've seen people, you know, there are people that I see, and I say like, now listen to me, I'm not here to criticize NSAS or, or StatSAS or StatSWAT, I don't know, that's not my issue, alright? My issue is that there are people I saw them, hashtag NSAS, I couldn't understand. You see the content of their of their tweets, thank you. It had nothing to do with SARS. They are talking about Joe Biden election and Donald Trump in the election. And they put hashtag answers. Why? It's the spirit of the age. They just have to belong. It's the spirit of the age. People just join what everybody is doing. If, look, even if personal, let's assume you don't even find anything wrong with Answers. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm not talking about it now. You should not be swept just because something is going on. You should be content with standing beside and watching. It's not everything you must participate in. It's not everything. Even if it's good. The one that paid me till tomorrow and it will continue to pay me for a long time is pastors. They don't know their place in life. Why? They want to, you know, that's what they call, you know what they call the cancel culture. 
Don't worry, you've never been written, so you don't understand the meaning of cancelled. They have a cancel culture on the, in cyberspace. It's a major problem in U.S. and Europe. Now, this is a problem. Let me explain, let me explain why. For example, the highest paid... No, okay, let, let, don't let me give figures now because um, I, I will need to verify. But in a year, all right, there are people that earn as much as six, ten, and more million dollars from Google just by having a video channel. Kingdom World Ministries has a channel. You understand? You just have your YouTube videos. All right? So our own is youtube.com slash Kingdom World Ministries. If you type that in now, you get all our videos. You just, in fact, we are streaming this live there now. You just get into the live stream. All right? Now, so you have your channel. Assuming your name is, um, what's your name? Promise. Eh? Promise. Promise. All right. That's a nice name. So, assuming your we create a channel called Promise in Action. Alright? So you post a lot of things. Now, if you can get MacAngel, MacAngel has millions of followers. You make money. Because, every, and you agree with Google, every advert they place in there that people will click on, Google shares the money with you. Now, this is the interesting part. There are people who earn literally millions of dollars every year like that. There's one guy, one of the highest earners, you know all he does? He plays games, you know, computer games. All right? All these PS games and uh, what are the other one? Xbox, all those here. He has millions of followers that follow him to watch him play games. He's one of the highest earners. There's a couple, particular couple, they had a child that had a birth injury. So they were recording the child grow up. And in one year, they earned $6 million from just videoing a child growing up. I'm posting the videos. Now, I'm, I'm trying to explain something here. Alright? Imagine you're going on like that. Then you just accidentally, one day, say no to same-sex marriage. Maybe that thing is trending somewhere. You just tag it and put it on your account. Either on Twitter, or Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. You know what the world does? They cancel you. Google may not cancel you because they believe that you have a right to that. Some of them are so bad they will. But this is where I'm going. Many people, they just start unfollowing you. So the more people, and you know imams are funny, they feel like they have to unfollow to show that they disagree with you. And then some of them will start telling other people that, do you know Apostle Okemote is still following promise? Even though promise does not support um, same-sex marriage. So he feels obligated to unfollow, to prove to everybody he's not on promises side. Make a long story short. From having 5 million followers, in a few weeks, the guy is left with 200,000. It's called poverty. It becomes broke. They call it the cancel culture. They cancel you. It's the reason why many people do what they don't believe in. Go and read my book, The Mark of the Beast. You will get my point. You are waiting for somebody to plant chip in your right hand and the plant in your head. Listen to me, it will never happen. That is not the mark of the beast. Because the beast is a figurative expression. The mark is also figurative. Many people have taken that mark. They will put hashtag, something they don't believe in. That's the mark of the beast. Why? To preserve their livelihood. Recently, this witchcraft woman, what's her name? J.K. Rowling of the 
Harry Potter series. She says something about real women. That's what she said. That these things matter. I can't remember the exact thing she said. Something like, um, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said something like, uh, these are the issues of real women. Thereby inferring that transgender women are not real women. You know what they call counsel? They went after J.K. Rowling. And then she came out and said, I am not changing my mind. I have said what I want to say. If you don't like it, it's your problem. My friend said, that's the power of a billion dollars. She said, billionaire. Hard to cancel. <laughs> J.K. Rowling said, nonsense. That somebody cannot even express herself again. Must I agree with you? She said, I'm sorry. There are real women, as far as I'm concerned. There are fake women, and there are real women. If you don't like it, my friend said, he's in America. He said, Banky, when you have a few billions of dollars, you do anything you like. Of course, with that amount of money, you start your own Twitter. Start your own Facebook. Start your own YouTube. Of course, she doesn't make money. from. She makes money from selling books, moving, and she's, she's difficult to fight. Just by the way, let me tell you the tricks of the world. You know what they do to such people? They stop talking. Because the more you attack her, the more she reinforces what she has said. And the more she reinforces it, the more she gathers people to herself. So what they do is that they just ignore her. They won't cancel her. They won't say anything. They let her opinion die. Those guys are satanic. Pure Satan. You know what they call Satan? Satan in suit. Satan. Now, this is why I'm going with all of this talk. These are the temptations of life. Many times we'll be tempted to alter the wisdom for our salvation. Not knowing that that is the, is the deliverance of God for a society. That's why I talk about the trial of faith. That's the next stage. In the trial of faith, you start a business. You say, okay, oh, I make clothes. I don't deliver. I, I don't disappoint. You know, one major trait of any people that make clothes is dis- disappointment is a culture. Do you know that? Come next week. I know one guy. If, you are, if he's sewing clothes away for the first time, he say, come in five days. In four and a half days, your clothes is ready. That's to entice you. Once you enter into the Apple ecosystem, come out now is the next issue. That's how you give him a cross. Say four days. That's multiplied by ten. <laughs> That's forty days. <laughs> now maybe sometimes you say, "I don't want to do that. I want to make my word my bond." And it's very important. God cannot tell you something will be in four days and will be in forty days. No, we have to be like our Father. Now that doesn't mean you have superhuman strength to deliver. Everything in the number of those number of days. Part of what you need to do is structure your business. You say, okay, I can only make three a day. So you will never collect more than three, which means that you have less people coming. Because after a while, you start rejecting. This is where I'm going. You have a choice of two. Grab more customers and go back to the ways of everybody. Or say, I am sorry. I will not take more than this three a day until... I have trained other staff that can increase my capacity. What are you doing? You are protecting the seed. The sacrifice is money. That is, it's costing you customers. It's costing you, you know, more business. But you say, no, I came here to solve a problem. It is more important to me to solve that problem than to make money. Do you get my point? One of the reasons why we do business is to teach righteousness. There's a brother 
probably is listening to this now. He's a minister of the gospel. He said, one of the things he likes about me, why he follows me, you know, and relates with me, is that he has seen certain things about the Kingdom World Ministries that you don't find commonly elsewhere, especially in Nigeria. And he encourages young people to pay attention to the things I'm saying. He's a pastor of a church. He said, but I have proven by my life that you don't have to be the pastor of a church to be an effective minister. He gave, he gave me a testimony that I give the Lord praise. He said, I've never seen anybody run ministry with less stress than me. So I won't even agree to a print flyer. <laughs> pastor Banky, print flyer, I said, I don't agree. If I say, okay, I want to print, you know, you know remember our flyers? I said, I can't be wasting flyer money. So you know what I do? I print a tract and make the cover, the announcement for the program. That even if you don't come, be blessed. I don't know how many of you remember those our flyers. It's just single color, monochrome. We designed it in such a manner that it has um, six, when you fold it, it's six pages. Back, middle part, and the back. So two to is six pages. The back is the announcement for the program and the bottom of the front. But from the cover, middle, middle, most of the pages is a teaching. So my concept is that if you take it and read it, you should be blessed, even if you don't come. But if he blesses you and you want more, there's a program that's going on. He said he has observed it. He said, this man, you don't like Allah for your soul at all. <laughs> but you are doing effective ministry. So he said that's one thing he enjoys. So one day he organized a program you know, for young Christians, uh, young ministers, and he invited me, me to come and teach. He just wanted the other people to hear that if God calls you to ministry, you don't have to go and start a church. Now, he had nothing against that in the church. He's a pastor of a church, not even one, more than one. He opens branches for their church. But he said, that is not all there is to ministry. Just observing you, I have realized that you can be effective in ministry doing it another way. Like I keep on apologizing. Sorry, I keep on using ministry as what? An example, because that is primarily what I do. I do ministry. So that's why my examples keep on coming from there. But I'm letting you understand. I say all of the teaching today to let us know that don't be making, don't undermine your seed because of money, because of fruit, you know, pecuniary gain, because of material benefits. Don't. That is not necessarily where God will bless you from. He has given you that seed. He has given you that, you know, that wisdom for salvation to be a blessing to people on the earth, to teach them first. Your gift, your ability to teach people, all right, to bless people. Secondly, to educate the society on how things can be done. There are many things that are being done in the world right now, and they are done wrongly. God says, you, start your own, do it right. You will be tempted to do it the way of other people. But that is where the catch is. Don't fall for that temptation. I go around life, you know, of course, all of us. Most professions have one fault. And that force can be fixed. I remember those days. <laughs> people say that one of the problems we used to have, in fact, the other day my wife's driver came and said he was going somewhere. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to meet the mechanic. I said, don't worry, he doesn't need your company. Go and sit. I said, go and tell madam. But don't worry, don't need to go there. You know, I don't know that what he's used to is that if your car is a mechanic, you sit with him. If he removes one bush, he will show you that it is broken. What? Lack of trust. 
So I said to him, I said, it's not necessary. The person that's taking the car does not need your company. When he's done with his work, he will bring the car back. He just felt that, oh, this vehicle is with the mechanic. Let me go and stay with the mechanic. <laughs> Until I told him, it's not necessary. Every business, well, let me say, most businesses, they have a fault. Sometimes God says to Christians, go and do your own. Fix that fault. You won't fix it for everybody that's doing it before you. But you fix it in your life. Then people will start copying from you. There's so much wisdom that God has ready to bless humanity. That's hidden. That's because it's secret hidden wisdom. That it needs to give to the upright. Then the upright will bring the wisdom into the open. That then people begin to copy. I thank God for copywriting things, copywriting that. But let me just warn you ahead of time. Many of these things you want to do, God says you can't copyright it. I don't want you to. I know if you copyright it, you make more money. No, I want it copied. I want it copied. I didn't bring it for you alone. I said you'll be blessed so can you can be what? A blessing. Which takes to the next point. He said a good name is better than what? Silver and gold. A good name is better than riches. Another reason we do business is to make a good name for God. Not for ourselves. I'm going to end it here. Maybe we'll develop that next time. Another reason we do business is why? To make a good name for whom? For God. His name is already good, but he can only be described by the lives of his people on the earth. So every time you see God, he's described according to somebody. His name was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and what? The God of Jacob. That was his name. When Jacob wanted to describe him to Laban, he said, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac. In the New Testament, his name was rearranged. Not once, apart from when Peter had to speak to the Jews, was his name ever called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In the New Testament, a new name was given to him. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, all of us are in him. When we want to describe God now, they need to know God through our lives. Somebody said this, I saw it on Twitter, that your integrity in handling money is the number one way you advertise the gospel. You can argue with him whether it's number one or number, or number two. But one thing we all agree on is that it is a crucial way we advertise the gospel. Our integrity in what? Handling money. Let me leave that one with you today. Whatever you do in this life, please make sure you have impeccable integrity when it comes to handling cash. It's the number one way you advertise the gospel, that man said. But I can say this one for sure. It's the number one way people have insulted the name of the Lord. Please uh, be careful when you're handling money. Be careful when you're handling money. We're talking about why we do business. We do business to get a good name for our God. He has his name already. It's just for us to wear the name and let the fragrance of his personality be perceived by other people. That's what I'm going to say. You could be a hermit and be in a cave and be meditating your life into enlightenment. But you never bless anybody. Nobody will know your God like that. But you get to a point. People will say, who told you that thing is 25,600? 
They say it's promise. They say it must be true. They don't check. Say who said they say it's promise. It's true. Why? You know he's a Christian. But you know in this generation, let me tell you how bad it became. A man went to the market one day. One of these major other building materials or spare parts, one of those big hardware markets. So they were loading his truck, loading his truck. They finished loading the truck. The man who was buying, all right, went to the man and said, sorry, there's a mistake. I thought I brought money. To my surprise, I think I took the wrong bag. Are you getting my point? So they had a choice of two. First is what? Offload. Or let him go because he said he will bring the money back by tomorrow. So that man looked and said he can go. He didn't offload. He said, take the materials. When I bring the money, the guy said, I have to travel, you know, so maybe give me the day after tomorrow, I'll be back. So the man said, no problem. So the day after tomorrow, he came back and gave the man his money. Do you understand? The man, he returned, like he promised, and gave the man the money. So the man asked him out of curiosity. That's the buyer. Asked the seller. Why did you trust me to take away your goods without paying you? He said, because you did not mention God. He said, if you had mentioned God, you would have offloaded that thing. If the word God had come from your mouth, you would have had to offload. But you just spoke on your integrity. He said, please trust me. I'll bring your money in two days. So I said, go. He said, because those who call God are the ones that defraud me. They'll say, ah, you know God. You know, as God, God. He said, once I call him God, you know, say they be thief. Uli. Oyoshi. I'm telling you, he told the man, he said, I let you go because I was listening out for the word God in your sentence and I didn't find it. I said, you must be a man of integrity. You're not here to deceive. Because those who have been coming and calling God are the ones that, the one that have been cheating me. That's how bad the name we have given to Christianity. There's a church, I won't mention the name. One day I met a man, a senior man. He said he rented his, his, his house to the church. Their pastor stays there. My mind, I said, yeah, error. So it was complaining to me that they, they've refused to pay him. You know, you know the, this one that you don't want to, you still have this spirit of kinship, that these are my brethren. I looked I look at him and I said, ah, in my mind, oh God, you don't know them. You don't deal with money with these people. A whole denomination. When somebody is from that place, you'll be afraid. He now asked me that, what, that he's going to get his lawyer to write them. I said, oh God, I won't get you your money. They like their, their image. I said, threaten to embarrass them on the pages of the newspaper. They'll pay you your money. I said, just tell them that I'll write your, your big ogre, your ogre at the top, and I will leak the information to the press. I said, don't worry. I just told him, threaten them like that. They will pay you your money. He said, eh. I said, go to court. That's what, they know you will go to court. They are, get, they are ready to waste your time in court. And I, you know, what pained me was that once he mentioned the name of the church, I said, ah, that money you will not see unless you do something drastic. Is that good? Like we say, you say, check them. Is that the way? Do you just treat the Lord? Moses asked. No, it's out of order. 
Whatever we do, God said, go out, do business. You know, many years ago, somebody imported, you know, um, used them, um, what do you call it? Toys. Computerized toys for kids. So somebody now told her, she was trying to market it, it wasn't working. She said, please go and meet him. I mentioned my wife that the woman is very good with marketing. She'll help you sell the stuff. So, this was years ago, not, not less than 10 years ago. And one of those toys was 25,000 naira. Used. Not brand new. So, I told my wife, my wife saw them. They looked good. Very educational. Children get the hand of them. They were like computers. They look like real computers, but they're actually for kids. You know, there are games and all of that. Educational things, addition, all those kind of things. So, she marketed them to people and... Of course, the whoever referred her knew the truth. In a short while, boom, all of them were sold. Except that once, one of them called my wife and said, that one was faulty. 25,000 naira is faulty. So my wife told the person who imported, who gave her to please help market. So that was, uh, you know, that was I like making excuses, started telling stories. I called my wife. My wife said, what should she do? I wasn't at home. So he told the other person, please, my husband is not around. He knows things like this. When he comes back, you help me check it. All right? So that one said, I thought you said your husband is a doctor. My wife said, he don't know anything. He's coming. <laughs> don't worry, he's coming back. <laughs> I, I, I know a bit of um, technical things like that. So I just told her when I came back, I said, I will check it like you said. I said, but just know that if I can't fix it, you will first refund that woman her 25,000 naira. And you will now pick up your quarrel with the fellow who imported the goods. He said, but, I said, there's no but in it, though. That fellow who bought doesn't know the other fellow. Now you then know. I said, you will count your losses. How much money am I even making of it? The commission on it, I said, hey, that one, another story. The person who bought, doesn't understand this one, you're saying that, uh, all I get is 10%, that 10% or 15% is your problem. But good enough, I was able to fix it. But you know what? It was a test from God. My wife had agreed to refund the woman had 25,000 complete. But he delivered the thing back to her in perfect working condition. I said, you learned the lesson. And just by the way, that's part of how you do business. Some people are saying, why, do, why are you marking up? You mark up because you have to be a cost like that. That's the reason why you put profit on your business. Because things like that will happen, you have to pay back. <laughs> one, one brother came to me when I went to Port Harcourt. He said he sells dogs. Puppies. That is what I... Is correct what he's doing. I said, what are you doing? He said that he sells them for maybe like 60,000, 70,000, but he gets them for 50,000. So I like, so what is the sin that you want to confess to the Reverend Father? I'm, I'm waiting for it. He said he buys for 50 and he sells for 60 or 70. They're exotic puppies. That is not dishonest. <laughs> I look and say, you know, no book. <laughs> I asked him a simple question. I said, this is Port Harcourt. He travels. I said, can a puppy die on the way when you are coming? He said, yes. He's a vet. He said, a puppy can die. I said, good. When he dies, who pays? He got my point. He said, because puppies may die, things may go wrong. That is the reason why you cannot collect it for 50000 and deliver it across two states or one state for 52000 Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Somebody has to bear the cost. You have to ensure your business across board. That's why you put a decent markup on each transaction. Because one day, one transaction will go bad. And you don't want to get bank, go bankrupt on the basis of one. But let, let's we'll come back to that another time. The point I'm just trying to make is this. You do what you have to do to 
maintain the name of integrity that God has. You must not be the reason why people are insulting your God. Once we look at it and say, that one too is a Christian. Just know that you are going to hell fire. Okay, maybe not like that. You, you get my point. <laughs> no, no. People should, when they, I mean, your life should bring forth the fragrance that is in Christ. When people deal with you, they should, they should let their guards down knowing that nothing will go wrong. They should let their guards down that nothing will go wrong. If they count money and give you, supposed to be 10,000, they mistakenly give you 11,000. You will call them and say, hey, it's not my luck. That's not your bad luck. Do you get my point? I've spent so much time on it, I didn't tend to do that. We'll finish talking about it maybe next time. All right? Meanwhile, let's bow our heads and give it all thanks for the word of today.